Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, Scripture. I thank you, Lord, for the moment captured. Oh, Lord, we ask that we too enter into a spirit of worship as well. A moment where we too get to pause and just reflect on that present, that gift that transformed our lives. We say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Die as well? Is it there? All right, are we good? Well, welcome to, well, no, it's back again. This could be a magic trick. Let's have a look here. Maybe it's my battery. No, I got like 400 bars. All right. It's the ever-ready bunny. All right. Well, welcome back. I say that for the third time, and uh, hopefully that will stay good. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> Uh, to week two of the five-week series that we are going to be looking at. And, and we have a lot to cover in, uh, in the next four hours. And so um, in order to compress that down, I, I really need to accelerate a little bit. And so I have copies of the manuscripts for those who need to keep up with me. And, uh, and I know there's a few people who want copies of that. And so Andrea has those. And so if you want a copy of the manuscript, uh, please just raise your hands and, uh, and then we'll give you one. Um, of those, and if we run out, then we can, uh, we can make some extra copies in the machine over there. So, um, we are looking at this series here, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? And as I shared last week, that I absolutely love Christmas, to the shock and horror that I heard from people saying to me, oh my goodness, that's terrible. There are so many other more beautiful holidays in the world. Well, it's okay. You too will learn one day, because I am decades ahead of you, decades ahead of you, because Christmas is the best season of all. Uh, and uh, one day you will catch up and you'll see why as well. If the story, if the story of how God was dealing with sin in the universe were written in one single book, like the Bible, for instance, if the story was dealt with in one single book, the center of this entire book would actually be focused on the story of Christmas. That's where it would be. And this chapter would actually tell us everything that was taking place because the whole world changed at that point. Revelation chapter 13 tells us that from the very beginning, they were planning for this moment to take place. From the moment of creation, they had planned this, and they knew that this was going to happen. The shepherds were going to meet the true lamb. The David were going to meet the chief shepherd. They were going to be affirmed in the practice that they had done week after week, day after day, helping generations to bring back the reconciliation that was needed, a place of reconciliation, which is a reminder to everybody here that we are going to be celebrating communion on December 16 together here in two weeks' time. So the challenge I left for you last week was to be peace and make peace. You, did you see that before I said it? Oh, I don't know. That, that was like, I think I know what it is. Yes, be peace and make peace. And this week, uh, we're going to go in a whole new element of the story here, another moment in the narrative here for the Christmas story. And as we continue to answer the question, the ultimate question here for this week, what child is this? I hope that you will feel by the end of this service here that you'll say, I need to drop everything to discover what child is this? Uh, I just got back from London on Thursday, and uh, I was out there for a few meetings to talk about the Global Resource Collective. Uh, we're launching it now in one month from now with 20-plus different churches. Uh, all of these churches coming together, sharing ideas of how to make the local church strong, and we're all preaching from the same text, and we're going to use the daily walk so that we can actually grow good disciples. As I was boarding the plane in Denver, 
getting ready for my flight, my first leg to Washington, D.C., I found my seat on row 22, and I put my roller up in the cabinet up above, and I was pretty much the last person to go on the plane, which, if you've ever traveled with me, this is unheard of, all right? I love to be in group one, and, I, you know, and now that group one is fading away from my status and I'm losing all that status, I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm going through a sudden withdrawal, right? So I'm like, oh no, I will no longer be able to be inside there. I'm not the kind of person who likes to go to Disney World and spend times in lines. I do not enjoy Black Friday shopping, hence I do not do that. I do not enjoy crowded shops. I like to go to Safeway at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's beautiful. Nobody's there. There's nobody even at the cashier. I mean, I, I do wait, uh, and I, you know, I try to actually punch the numbers in. No, no, I mean, I, I, do, I do this kind of stuff, but I just, I like that. And this is why I like the wise men, because they did not arrive in the first hustle and bustle as everybody else arrived. No, they waited until much later, when the stable was a house, a house in Bethlehem. Now, I don't want you to forget this point that the wise men arrived in a house in Bethlehem. And I want you to just put this little nugget in your head and ask yourself, oh, Joseph, why did you not go back to Nazareth? Hmm, is there something a little bit difficult for you to explain here? Uh, were you a little bit embarrassed about something? We'll look at Brother Joseph in a few weeks' time, and, and actually we'll look at him on December 16 when we celebrate communion. How apropos that we look at Joseph on December 16. But uh, back to the wise men here for a second. They arrived closer to meeting Jesus when he's around two years old. Now, I'm on this airplane, okay, and I get to sit down in my seat, and another passenger, two rows in front of me, uh, on the window side, so I'm on the aisle seat. I always take the aisle seat. I don't know what your preference is, but I always take the aisle seat because I'd rather not have somebody else to climb over. I'd rather be able to be the person that they climb over. Uh, and so I'm on the aisle seat, they're in the winner seat, and suddenly this person stands up and says, hey, and they know me, they say my name. I'm like, ah, oh. and it's Brian Ramirez. I'm like, Brian, good to see you. Now, I only see Brian, pretty honestly, uh, Brian, I only see him on finance committee at Boulder Church. Uh, because he's usually traveling all the time. And I said, Brian, are you going to China the long way? You know, China's that way. Are you going to China this way? I know you can get to China because the world is round, all right? But it's a long way to go to China that way. And so I said, what, what's the deal? He's like, oh, no, I'm going to Europe. I said, really? Where in Europe are you going? I said, London. I said, get out of here. Where in London? Are you going to London? He said, no, I'm going to Cambridge. I said, no way, that's incredible. So it turns out that he was going to London for the very first time. We started a dialogue about this, and we started to rearrange all of our appointments, because I said, if you're going to London for the first time, I have to show you London. I have to, like, rearrange all my appointments. We were both landing at the same time, and he had appointments, I had appointments, literally within an hour of landing there. And I said, no, let me, let me show you London, and let me take you on this quick world tour of London, and I'll take you to a place where you can have the best lamb chops in East London. I, and, and I tell you, I mean, you can look at lamb chops anywhere else in the world, and I have tested them all over the world. But these lamb chops, Levitical, I mean, practically, they're like straight from the Bible, just, oh, made for you. They're fantastic. All right, so... Question number one uh, from uh, the worship guide, uh, question number one is this. When was the last time 
you made drastic changes to your plans for a friend or made a change for Jesus? When was the last time you made drastic plans, uh, changes to your plans uh, for a friend or made a change for Jesus? Because it's not like the wise men had a car or they had a plane or they had any easy form of transportation to Bethlehem. I mean, these mystics, these astrologers, these pagan, superstitious, perplexed astronomers, they noticed a new star appeared. And at last, it was like for them, they were like brand new to them right then. They said, we've got to go find out what this is about. Now think about that. Think about that. Think about how much it was, how difficult it was for them to decide that they're going to go do something for this. They're going to go look for this. If you want a new job, if you want a new job, but you're actively not looking for a new job, the chances of you finding a new job are slim to none, right? If you're like, I'd like to get a new job, but you never apply, you never look anywhere, you're not really going to find one. If you want to get married, but you never really go to hang out with anybody who's not available, you never let anybody know that you're available, you never really like make friends with anybody who's not who's available, the chances of you getting married are pretty slim. So what if these men, now just go with me with this, what if these men came from generations that had read the First Testament, okay? What if they knew the words of Balaam? In Numbers 24, 17, that a star will come out of Jacob. What if they knew the words of Micah, the prophet Micah? And you've you got to turn with me to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. So if you can open your Bibles up to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, I want to share with you a passage inside there. Now, in your pew Bibles, that's page 866. And I tell you that because it's a hard little book to find, page 866. Now, what I'm about to tell you is it's pretty sacrilegious, um, because I don't really like people doing this, but I'm, I'm going to suggest that you do this as well. We're going to come back to Micah 5.2. And, and so I, I want you to, to remember this page. And, and so in, for you don't have to look it up, I'm, I'm okay if you bend the corner of the page of the book. <sighs> I know, I know. Some of you will have to see someone about this. Or you can take one of the Connect cards and put it inside there. But I want you to find this next text, Micah 5.2, again very quickly when we come back to it. I won't give you as much time, so you've got to work at your own little magical system to work this out. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who is to be the ruler in Israel. What if they had studied that? What if they had looked at this? What if they had read Job 9 and 38 and Isaiah 40 and Psalm 19? What if they had read Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4? And you've got to read with me Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4. I, you know, actually, I didn't even write down the page that Psalm 19 is on, so I'm hoping somebody's going to find it and shout it out to me. So what page is Psalm 19 on? Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4. And it's just so good that I actually need to read this to you. Psalm 19, what page is that on? 504, 504, Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. What if they had read these passages, these wise men, and they knew these passages? Because it says here in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims its handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. I mean, what if they had understood and they read this and said, the word of God, this prophet, this guy, all through the First Testament, tells us that if we look to the skies 
And the skies were different to the way the skies are today. They didn't have the light pollution that we have today. They saw the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, they saw the beauty in the sky. If we looked at the skies, maybe there are clues up there that will help us understand this. And they said, if we looked there, we could find something. Maybe they were kind of like Sherlock Holmes in their kind of expedition, where they would say, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however impossible, must be the truth, right? So they're like, well, we've eliminated everything. Whatever happens now, it must be the truth. Could it be, and this is kind of crazy, but could it be, my friends, that for generations under Daniel, that they even understood Daniel chapter 9, that before us, that they understood that a Messiah was coming. Because at the time that Jesus was born, there was a frenzy around that time. Many people were expecting a Messiah to come along. Many people were looking for a Messiah. Many people were studying for a Messiah. Many people were declaring themselves to be a Messiah. Today, some have worked out with current technology under the mathematics of the great discoverer, astronomer from the 1600s, Johannes Kepler, who discovered uh, the laws of planetary motion, right? And these are the laws that they use to be able to work out how to travel through space. It's the way that we actually are able to send a shuttle into the space and know that we can actually bring the shuttle back and we can work out where things are going to be and all this kind of stuff so that they were able to work out with the computer technology today what the sky could have looked like back when Jesus was born. And taking this hypothesis, they said, what if the wise men were from Babylon? Then, looking over a long period of time, over generations, they noticed a great shift. They noticed an alignment taking place inside here. And they said, there is something different in the sky, something that would draw their attention to Bethlehem. And they could say, this is worth changing all your plans, worth traveling 1,000 miles across the desert to see if the king that was promised has arrived. Anticipation created the heart of opportunity. Anticipation created the heart of opportunity. Can you imagine if we celebrated Christmas like that? If we lived Christmas like that? Anticipation for the heart for opportunity? To serve? to love, to give, to care, to be. When I found out that Brian was on this flight going to England at the same time, it was uh, an opportunity I couldn't miss, right? So I was texting people saying, look, I know we're supposed to meet him now when I land, but, but I'm going to have to like, move this appointment to somewhere else, and we're going to have to shuffle some things around. He was supposed to meet his colleagues, get on a train, and head straight up to Cambridge, and he moved some stuff around, and, and it was just fantastic. We, we got off the plane, we went, I got my car, we went to the hotel, we got freshened up, we got straight into, into the, uh, from the hotel straight down into London. As we're driving into London on the M4, which is the highway that takes you straight into London from Heathrow Airport, I saw all this traffic just built up. It was beautiful. It's not, you don't understand, it's not like 36. I mean, people say there's traffic in Boulder, there's no traffic in Boulder. Believe me, traffic in Boulder, that's not traffic. Traffic on 36 going into Denver, that's not traffic. Traffic in London, it's not like LA. LA is not traffic. LA is just like cars just sitting together saying, what are you doing today? I don't know. I just like, I like the fumes. You like the fumes, I like the fumes together. We just, what do you do in LA? But here, in London, we are stories. We 
our stories together. I said to him, I actually just switched on the radio. I only really listen to the radio when I go to London. And I switched on Heart 106.2. Oh my goodness, it's just good. The music, it's great. And, and then you get into the trafficking and you start to cut each other up. And it's fantastic. It's so much fun. It's just beautiful. And he was like, I don't know if I feel the same way. I, I will teach you in the next four or five hours why this is a moment where we as brothers will, will bond together through this moment inside here. And we did. We had a great time uh, through that entire time. And then he reminded me that he has a, a TV, a flat screen TV that he needs to donate to the church. And I said, yes, that's why the Lord told me to change the plans because we need that donation for the church because there's another TV missing spot downstairs. Yes. That's right. Of course, that's why we had to change everything. It was a great opportunity, but it was good to connect with Brian again. I want to live a life of more of anticipation, right? Christmas, more of anticipation for the opportunities that God can, can provide. We should live a life like this. Why wait for someone to ask? Offer, right? Some people say, well, you know, if, if somebody just asked me, I would do so much more. Don't wait for someone to ask you. Offer. Bring your heart and offer. Why wait for the timing just to be right? Just engage right now. Don't wait for all the stars to line up, for everything to line up just right. Just engage. Why wait to live a life of regret? Discover things instead. Why only do what is required? It always just irks me when people do exactly what's required, only this much and no more. Serve. Serve with a heart like Jesus calls you to do. Why allow your desires to rule? Love instead. And why give what is expected? I mean, enjoy life, right? Don't just give what's expected and required. Give because you enjoy to give. The wise man had no reason to leave Babylon, right? They had enough books from the library of Nineveh that could last them a lifetime. But there was something far deeper, something missing in their souls, that knowledge and data and facts and achievements and all the wealth and all the glory could not feel. They needed to find the miracle and they needed to be part of this story, a story that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation that a Messiah was coming. Question number two. Question number two in our worship guide. What surprises were there in this story? Did you find any surprises in the story when you read the Daily Walk this week? Did you find any surprises to yourself when you read the passage in different versions of the Bible this week? You always have to read the Bible every single time with fresh eyes. You have to say, I'm just going to read this as if I haven't read it before, and just allow yourself and your imagination to have fun with the text. And so when I read the text again, I allowed myself to have fun with the text. When I read this the first time again, I said to myself, I really want to change the title from The Visit of the Wise Men to The Visit of the Wise Guys, right? That's what I felt the story was. It was The Visit of the Wise Guys. And you know why? I mean, read with me. Uh, you, you heard Patty read it, but read with me. Matthew chapter 2, just page 895, just that one verse. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Page 895 in your Bible, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. So they come there, they're meeting Herod, and it says this. And this is the words that they actually say to King Herod when they meet him. 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and had come to worship him. These sound like wise guys, don't they? I mean, they don't sound like wise men. Can you imagine if they went to the prime minister of England or if they went to the current prime minister of England or if they went to the current prime, uh, president of the United States and said, where is the baby that's going to take over your role and rule not only your country but the entire world? Yeah, step aside. Where is it? I mean, you'd, you'd have to admit that they have some kind of je ne sais quoi, you know, kind of like a, a, I don't know, a little bit of wise guy attitude, Right? So I'm not surprised when I read that Herod was troubled with this. He had to know well that people were looking for the Messiah. But here is the surprise. Anticipating hope to arrive any day now, Herod had become dull. Herod had become dull. He had allowed life to overcome the moment, which happens to us at Christmas and in our lives all the time. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't it so easy to become dull? Isn't it so easy to get into the routine? You read the Bible and sometimes you get into routine. Your marriage gets into routine. Your friendships get into routine. Work gets into routine. I was talking to somebody just this week about uh, routines in their life and they're just saying they can't wait to clock off work to just like be done. And they, they drive up to the mountains and then they're just like, they're so happy to be up in the mountains with the, the wild cats and the bears. I'm like, do you have a death wish? Is that, is that, no, they said Colorado's beautiful up there in the mountains with the bears. I'm like, okay. They said, yeah, I go hiking with spray cans and weapons. I'm like, oh, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> I think I'd rather go do your job than up there, but that's fine, that's fine. Enjoy yourself up there, that's fine. But we become dull with the moments that we're in, and it happens so easy because it's so easy to forget why we do what we do. And I don't want you to forget the sentence. It's so easy to forget why we do what we do. So, the men uh, of the church, uh, we went out to see a movie and dinner last weekend. And it's our second retreat. We're, we're planning to do something once a month uh, just to gather some men together. Another man who I've never met um, said he wanted to join us. And, uh, and he had heard about it through the grapevine, which is a great example that men like to gossip to. Um, so, uh, just FYI, you know... <laughs> Somehow this guy had heard, and so he said, hey, can I join you? He said, sure, you're welcome to join us. So I got a ticket and everything for him. And, uh, and so that's great. And so I had his contact details, and so I invited him. We will call him, we will call him Brother X. Something good? Brother X. I feel good about this. All right, this is good. It took me a long time to think of a name of what to call this guy, Brother X. One thing led to another where Brother X was not able to make it, and uh, I invited him to join us for the next social thing that we're going to be doing, which is on December 17, where we're going to go to see another movie and, and, and dinner together. This one will be very late until early hours in the morning. Um, and then he replied to me only, um, and, uh, and this is what he said. I'm, I'm just going to put it on the screen. This is what he said in his email. He said, uh, let me know if you guys decide to study the Bible. See that? That's just a cut and paste. So, now, I've been a pastor for a long time to note a few things first. Number one, uh, the individual, Brother X, did not say anything else. He did not say that he could not make the invitation that I sent him. He didn't say, hi, Japheth. Uh, he didn't say, hey, pastor. He did not sign his name. 
He did not have any suggestions. He did not say, hey, I can't make it, uh, but by the way, you know, one of the things that I'd love to do as a man is I'd love to meet together with some other guys and study the Bible. He just said, let me know if you guys decide to study the Bible. Let me know if you guys decide to study the Bible. I was like, hmm, really? So I replied to Brother Rex. I said, yes, every day. It's called Daily Walk. Uh, and you can subscribe to it, and I will sign you up for that straight away. Once a week, come to our church, and we do what we call Bible studies here, and we study the Bible every single week. In fact, our teachers spend an entire month preparing to teach the Word of God, which is phenomenal. And so many people don't take advantage of spending time enjoying those classes and engaging that. And then January 6th, the third, the fourth men's retreat that we're going to do, uh, we're going to have a dedication service for 2018. We're meeting that room over there. And we're going to have an agape feast, which is going to be a very tall order for some of these men, since some of these men are not Christians. And the idea of celebrating the Lord's Supper and participating in communion will be at all order. Some of them will not be able to do this. Some of those men or Christians will find it very difficult to even wash their feet of another man. I mean, it may be so difficult that some of them will not be able to turn up to that. I asked him if he was a Christian, uh, Brother X, because I don't know who he is. He replied, I asked to study the Bible. So yes, I'm a Christian. If you could let me know when your group studies the Bible, then I would be interested. I was like, oh, okay. Then before I could reply, he sent another email. He says, I don't feel comfortable using church budgets to go to movie, that's all. So I don't mean to come off arrogant. I was like, all right. Now, you've got to excuse his grammar. He's probably typing on his phone. That's why his little eyes are in lowercase and clearly done not on an iPhone. Would have autocorrected that. Oh, well, I thought, that's good, Brother Rex, I thought. At least I wasn't reading this wrong because he was being arrogant. He was being arrogant. He did have an agenda, and he was trying to make a point. Uh, so I thought I should reply to him. So I did. I said, well, you know, if you want to help the church budget and you, don't, you feel uncomfortable with the church budget paying for men to get together, go see a movie and dinner, I wrote back to him and said, why don't you pay for everyone to go? And, uh, and so I sent that email off to him. And, and then I invited him to come to church and to meet me, and uh, he hasn't replied yet. Um, see, the thing is this, I, I also explained to him that it actually really doesn't cost the church hardly any money because most of the men actually make donations to the church for this event and they pay for their movie and for their dinner as well. But the reality is, is that uh, the expenses of the church are very, very low for that. But here is the bigger picture. Brother X has allowed his life and his experiences to overcome the moment, right? Brother Rex is not able to place himself in anyone else's shoes anymore. He's up here floating in some kind of netherworld. Brother Rex is not aware that people have a different journey that everyone is on. Brother Rex does not understand that the men's retreats are not for Christians only, but for all men and for all beliefs. Brother Rex does not get that because Jesus loves us, that we love all men whether they are Brother X and Brother Y and Brother Z, which is the correct way to pronounce that letter in the alphabet, by the way. <laughs> because I know you were confused for a second, because that's how we say zebra. All right. To build community with each other. But Brother X has become dull. 
He has become down. He has become so focused on being around people who are just like himself that the idea of hanging out with others troubles him. The idea of doing anything that he feels is not kosher, by his definition, is wrong. What Brother Rex has said, why do we spend money on perfume when we could be helping the poor? Hmm? You know where that's from? When Judas was talking about uh, Mary spending money on the perfume, washing Jesus and anointing Jesus' feet, would that with Brother X be? I think that's wrong, the money being spent on the perfume. We should be spending on the poor. I think it's wrong to spend money for men to get together who actually are of all different walks of faith. Well, Brother X, get over yourself. You should be in there. You should be connected. You should be in the conversation. You should be engaged in building relationships up. Our mission, and let's stay honest about this, our mission is to have people enjoy the blessings of discovering Jesus for themselves in community. To become a disciple of Jesus is the greatest calling, and that's why we exist as a church. When Aaron Aziz did the introduction this morning and the welcome to church, I didn't know he was going to do this, but it's beautiful. He actually uh, shared uh, the reason why we exist here. The Bold Adventist Church exists to create places for people to connect with God. That's why we exist. We exist to create places for people to connect with God. Well, each of these places come at different paces. See that? A little play? Places? Paces. We're at different paces. Everybody's at different paces. So... I enjoyed that when I read this text inside here, that people like Herod had become dull to the great things that God had revealed. They didn't see the great miracle right underneath them. They didn't see that God was calling these Babylonians from all the way in another land to come and see the glory right there, that the Messiah had arrived, that the world was going to be changed. So I was impressed with that. What else was I surprised with? that the leaders knew the answers that they were looking for, that the leaders knew, and they were not still looking for the Messiah. That's what I was surprised about. And you say, what? How is that possible? It is so easy. You go to a supermarket, and you see all this incredible food, and you think to yourself, well, that's great, but you'd rather eat trash instead of all the great food. Knowing something is good and ignoring it is our MO in life. So often, right? It's like knowing that quality time with your family is going to build a really great relationship, but you would rather binge on Netflix than spending time with your family. Knowing something is good and ignoring it. It's like knowing that following Jesus is the only hope of this world, but you would rather do anything than spend an extra minute in conversation with Jesus. Because knowing something is good and ignoring it as our MO. So what else was I surprised with? Well, that story in Micah. So you remember where you had it? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I want to give you some time to find it, but I don't have the time to let you find it, so I'm just going to read it because I know you have it preserved there. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. We don't read the verses beyond there, but the verses that continue there says this. Therefore he shall give them up, verse 3, until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is beautiful. The story continues because he says the shepherd, remember last week, the shepherd will rise and he will secure to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. This little baby Jesus was the new king, unlike Herod, unlike Caesar, who created peace by murder. This new king 
was creating peace in an entirely new world way. So now let's connect the dots. This is beautiful. When you connect the dots, you start to say, well, how did he do this? So when you see this baby grow up and he stands now before Pilate, you see Pilate doing his way of holding peace together. And you see Jesus doing his way of holding peace together. And you see the contrast and the tension between the two of them. They stood in a new place, but he said, I am the Prince of Peace. I'm coming here to change the world in a new direction here. So finally, I have one more surprise for you. I hope you enjoyed the daily walk as you discovered unpacking these meanings behind them, but I'm going to just unpack one of them in a little bit more. So inside the daily walk, I explained to you that gold represented, you know, the royal line. That was what the gift was. That it showed that Jesus was going to be part of a royal line, that in fact the money was going to help as well as they escaped to Egypt. And as Herod was going to attack all the children, it was great. Frankincense, the oil was used in temple celebrations, anointing, symbolizing that Jesus was part of the high priesthood and role in our lives. And then myrrh. Myrrh was for healing and for pain relief. But now hear this, all right? Jesus receives the myrrh when he was a baby. But on the cross, in Mark 15, 23, Jesus rejects the myrrh, all right? You've got to just put this in your back of your head and hold it together. Now remember this. When he stood in his hometown in Nazareth, and he preached from the scroll, it's the scroll of Isaiah, and remember that the scroll could only roll one way, and as he's rolling the scroll out, he recites from memory because he rolls out. He can only recite from memory because he quotes from two different places. He says, I have been anointed, right? Quoting from Isaiah, to bring healing to the people. As he says in Luke chapter 4, he says, I am here to heal the poor. Jesus was the living myrrh. Myrrh was there to heal people. Jesus was the ultimate healer. And when they gave to Mary and Joseph myrrh, were they thinking that they were giving him myrrh to prepare him for his burial one day? Had they read in Psalm 45, 6 to 8, that Nicodemus was going to have to one day wrap up Jesus in myrrh and oils? The Apostle Paul captures this so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So you're going to have to turn with me because this is such a great passage, you have to read it. It's page 1067. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is addressing all the dysfunction in church. And so the letters of 1 and 2 Corinthians are always addressing some of the tensions inside church. And so when you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, always understand that he's coming from a place of trying to correct the church gently and to bring them to a healthy spot. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16 says this, page 1067. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I could not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Good. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? What is Paul saying here? He's saying the smell of Jesus. This is who we are. We are the aroma of Christ to everyone. This is what Christmas is all about. We are the smell of myrrh because Jesus is myrrh, which is healing. This is the good news. 
when Jesus resurrected, they smelt the myrrh that had been all over his body. And that smell, Paul is saying, he's capturing his memory, saying, this smell that you had, that you felt over Jesus, this is what we smell like. We smell like the presence of myrrh that's healing all through the land. So when he received it as a baby, they had no idea the deep significance that it was going to happen when he was resurrected on that morning. Question number three, and our final question for this morning is this. What kind of wise men should we be? What kind of wise men should we be? Well, for those 55 plus who are joining us for the wiser generation, they probably know the answer to this already, right? Uh, Their answer would be simply this. Wise men and wise women are those who look to Jesus. Right? Wise men and wise women are those who look to Jesus. Just like those men who said, I will leave my city and I will travel far to do this. And the ultimate question used to be, used to be, who do you say I am? Which is what Jesus asked of his disciples all the time. But today, but today we we don't really spend a lot of time with this not even what child this is. Today we're obsessed with fighting for justice and what cause is really important and am I accountable and what gifts do I have and why doesn't somebody understand my strengths and can they use my strengths? So when we choose leaders, we look at all sorts of qualities that leaders have. When we're looking for somebody to help with refreshments or greeters or elders or deacons, all these kind of things are important. But ultimately, ultimately what you really want to know is, do they love Jesus? And if they love Jesus, they have potential to grow all the time. It was Charles Spurgeon who said these words. For every text in Scripture, there is a road to the metropolis of the Scriptures. That is Christ. My dear brother, your business is, when you get to a text to say, now, what is the road to Christ? I have never yet found a text that had not got to a road to Christ in it. But the very verse, every single verse in the Bible needs to lift up Jesus. Our leaders who love Jesus Christ, our leaders who love Jesus Christ will find Jesus in the Bible. They will constantly be seeking to find Jesus in the Bible. And Paul reminds us, even from creation story, that everything that Jesus has done, it was created for him and by him and in him. All things are held together. Jesus is the light. Look at the creation story. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the water. Jesus rose on the third day when the sky and water were separated. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the sun, moon, and morning star. Jesus is the true lamb. He is the true Adam, and he is the true blessing of the Sabbath. To be wise is to look to Jesus, and it's inside every text in the Bible. So when I sat down this week with my friends in London, and I shared with them the vision of the Global Collective Resources, one of the followers of Jesus there said to me, To be honest, while I have decades of life experience under my belt, I still feel at moments that uh, when I talk to people, I'm I'm missing something important. I I just can't find where it is in the Bible. I'm just, I'm missing that exact place that I want to be able to say, this is the truth that I want you to know. So I shared with him the Duplo Technic metaphor sheet that's on that table over there that I've been asking you as a church to consider this. And, you know, it is so easy. It is so easy to ignore this, right? It is so easy to ignore because it's so easy for us just to be so busy as a people all the time, constantly going at it too fast. So the challenge last week was to be peace and to make peace. But this week, this week, this week I'm asking you to seek Jesus. Jesus. 
That's what I'm going to ask you to do, to seek Jesus. Because I believe, I believe that if you're willing to seek Jesus, all things will come together. It is too easy to ignore for so many reasons, right? Because you say that there is no time left for you to be able to do this. And I'm telling you that there, there is no perfect time to actually do this. There is no perfect time. There's never a time that you're going to say, I now have the time to be able to seek Jesus. Life will never get easier. Life will never get more freedom inside it. Your margins are never going to get wider where you have the capacity to start studying and learning more about Jesus. And the pressure is never going to let up. Okay? There's never going to be a moment where you say, okay, now I'm ready to actually discover more about Jesus Christ. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and receives, and one who seeks and finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him bread, and will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We need to seek Jesus. Difficulty, my friends, is that we're waiting for everything to line up. And if you keep on waiting for everything to line up, you're finding excuses to not seek Jesus anymore. So I'm challenging today. I'm challenging today. Pick up one of those sheets. Fill in the connect card. Reach out. This week, this Christmas season, let's squeeze in and let's find the time to grow so that we indeed together may seek Jesus. And with Jesus, all of these other things that you feel like you cannot handle and you cannot add anymore will be lifted up. You just ask and it shall come.